welcome back to We Gotta Talk About. It's Myalicious. And KTZ. What's up, everybody? So let's begin with a little um, shameless self-promotion. We yeah. appreciate everybody who's been tuning into the show. Um, we honestly didn't think that we would have so many people like supporting us and tuning in every week. You guys are amazing, incredible. This is awesome. Yes. Um, so we aren't, I mean, like we're just doing this for fun really, but we would love if people could support us um, for free. There's a few things you can do if you like our show. Post us on social media. Yes. Um, we have tons of content on our Instagram that you can just like post and say, hey, I like this show. Go check them out. You know, the more people engage with us, the more people will kind of like see our stuff just pop up on their explore page and things like that. True. Um, so that's great. Um, if you do listen to us um, frequently or you know, you maybe aren't sure like when the episodes come out and things like that, you can turn on notifications for our posts. You can subscribe to the podcasts on whatever platform you listen to it. And that way you never miss out on any of our content. Share us with your friends and family members that <laughs> oh, you, there you go. would totally be interested in the type of discussion, you know, the long length podcast. I know some people are like 20, 30 minute folks, and this is definitely not for them. So definitely oh. like a let people know when you are sharing, kind of let them know what they're getting into. Um, sharing helps. And too, if you want to start leaving reviews on those platforms as well, that'll definitely help us to be seen more by people that aren't in our communities or people that have found out about us. Um, and we share posts all the time, like Maya said on our Instagram. Um, and we both do it individually. So if you follow either of us personally on Instagram, um, and we'll start to up our Twitter game more. That's definitely an avenue we just definitely. <laughs> so hold tight. We'll let you guys know when we go live on Twitter. But yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to leave reviews, that would be awesome. We also would love to hear like what people think. Um, yes, I get a few DMs. Um, I've yeah, got every once in a while. But I want like a nice detailed, like yeah. tell, me, tell me how you really feel. Because it's yeah. all anonymous anyway, so you can really express yourself. <laughs> True. So yeah, that's our little self-publishing. And we'll we'll ramp up our promotion on Instagram for sure in the coming weeks. Um, if you guys do follow us on there, that you'll be able to see. And I think that'll probably be the easiest way for people to yeah. be able to let people know we're here and we're talking mm-hmm. about stuff. And we're having fun. And here. one other thing is um, if you work in HR, if you have any positions open at your job, KTZ is looking for work. KTZ, tell us your skills. I'm applying everywhere. No, I actually have a couple friends. I have one homegirl, bless your heart. You know exactly who you are if you're listening to this. Who has literally probably sent me like 20 different actual like job openings. Um, so I'm tailor, tailoring my resume to everything I'm applying. But you guys, I've worked in property management, hospitality, hotel work, service, uh, restaurant, food, beverage. Um, I was a bartender until we started our furlough shelter at home. <laughs> um, so I don't really know if those skills can pay out right now. Unless you need like a private bartender for an event. Oh, there you, know, you go. For, That's your, for your socially distanced event, I got you. Listen, yeah. KTZ is flexible. Hire her. Um, give Black women your money. Um, yeah, don't I'm, make her put her life at risk to go yeah. back into the service industry, please. I'm a jack you. of all trades. Yes, true. I'm hoping to find some remote work within the next month so that hopefully I can end this year, you know, getting back into the swing of things. 
But yeah, I'm really excited to talk this week. Maya and I actually took a break last week. Uh, God bless. It was a good self-care week for me personally. I was actually going to ask Maya, how are you doing since it has been? We've discussed like business a little bit, but I don't know if we've really talked about just like where we've been in the last, I guess, like week and a half since we recorded last. So yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm okay. I was like, oh, I have been super anxious probably for like a month mm-hmm. straight, just constantly. Yes. Um, and super unmotivated and a little bit depressed because um, my sister left. And so it's just like me at home with my parents, which has been mm-hmm. really difficult. Um, so I actually got myself an Airbnb this last weekend. Yes, ma'am. And just like stayed by myself in downtown San Diego because I knew that I could like kind of walk around a little bit more freely and like go and just like pick up food. I haven't yeah. felt comfortable really eating out. Um, so I, I just like was able to kind of like be outside be around like different people be in the city which like oh the suburbs literally eats my soul away every day yeah it could be debilitating um so that was nice and I came home and I still was really really anxious yesterday but I also just had therapy with my um counselor from BetterHelp which Mm -hmm. um I highly recommend if you need therapy like literally just get that online therapy it's they have like an unemployment um discount so it's actually not that expensive nice um, so that was helpful. That helped a lot. And, you know, just like crying it out and, you know, drinking and watching some <laughs> TV that made me cry even more. I watched Black Panther, which made me sob. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone down that road yet. I'm, I'm taking my time. Taking yeah, my time. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone's at a different pace of grieving. Um, and it was, it was nice because I also like, I just feel like Chadwick Boseman left such a legacy and I told my sister, because she was really sad, I was like, for for a Black man to leave a legacy like that is so uncommon. Like, it's really not, he he is in a better place. Like, yeah. he left a legacy and left and doesn't have to deal with all the bullshit that we have to deal with being right. on this rock that's on fire in the sky. Like, he doesn't right. have to deal with any of that stuff. And, like, we're always going to remember him. And he did so much while he was here that, like, I'm, I mean, I am obviously sad for his family and I send my condolences to them because they are grieving a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like no, no one's ever going to forget him. Like he's not just like another person that passed away and won't ever be talked about again. So it's not all bad. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, that kind of ties into like how I was doing the last week. It really hit me hard when I found out on Friday. So I guess we're coming up on a week. Um, but even that week, during I don't know I just felt like things were just really heavy I guess Mm -hmm. like emotionally and I could just feel myself just being sad and then I've had like a lot of heavy conversations this last couple of weeks in my life like about personal stuff or just like other people's lives Mm -hmm. I've just kind of like just seen like a lot of things happen there's a lot of change happening in my life I've noticed with my friends and I am not a person who deals with change well I've definitely, yeah, I've noticed that my whole life growing up, like everyone just, I don't know, I just don't like change. Um, And I'm noticing that happening. I've got, you know, best friends who are married and moved away and they're like starting new chapters of their life. Mm -hmm. And then I have best friends engaged and I know that now I'm going to be like helping or in a process or in a wedding or just like that's coming up. And then I sat down with another friend recently and we were talking about her future weddings that she would hope to happen in the next year or two. And I was like, 
whoo, it was like, okay, we're going through a lot of things. And then I have a best friend who's thinking about moving out of the Bay Area. And I was like, oh, I was like, my tribe wow. is getting so small, like people are leaving or just like things are changing. And I definitely had that moment of that like middle 20 year old crisis of like, what are you doing? Everyone has it at every stage of life. But like mm-hmm. that 20 year old one, I feel like is really rough because of I don't know the way you handle it in your twenties, of course, can kind of dictate how you, your thirties can move. And then your twenties is also like very um, uncertain because that's really the first time you're like an adult dealing with those things. Yes, I think that's the key. I always tell people I wake up every day and I feel like I'm a 17 year old who's just like lived a decade of life, but I just feel like all it's done for me. is just giving me bills to pay. Technically that is correct. You know what I mean? You know what I mean though? Like I just, I don't feel 27. I feel like I'm a 17 year old, like senior year of high school, like all these possibilities, like that's how I feel, even though I know that's not the case, but that's just I mean, there are lots of possibilities and you have so many options and I, I mean, we're still so young. Definitely. Um, so don't think that you have to have anything together, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but it all came in and it it came into perspective for me because of Chadwick Boseman. I mean, I Mm -hmm. was drinking Friday and was like, Black Panther died. And I was like, what do you mean Black Panther died? Like, that's a new storyline kind of a thing. Like, I don't know, like, did that happen? I know, I thought it was fake. Yeah, I was like, that happened in Endgame. Like, I don't remember or something. And my friend was like, no, no, no. Like, the actor actually. And it really hit me. And I cried really heavy the next day, just like reading the tributes and just kind of seeing how the world was reacting to it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, life is short. Like, we just don't know. It just had me thinking about my own personal life. You know, I was just like, okay, I need to go to the doctor and get a physical. Like, when's the last time I've actually like taken care of myself like that to go check and make sure everything's right? Mm -hmm. Like, just all these little things. And then, like I said, with the changes. So yeah, it's been super heavy. We're moving through a time like Pisces new moon, like all these things are just happening. Oh, that one hit me rough. I'm trying to stay on top of everything, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, it was good. So Maya and I, you know, we're back at it, giving you guys the goods. So Maya's <laughs> gonna start us, start us off. It sounds like we're gonna like give them some cookies or something. I love making cookies, you guys. So if I could, I would. But someone brought uh, my mom's Snickerdoodle cookies, but she's like not eating sugar right now. Oh, so, you so I get to eat all of them. <laughs> I, mean, I have yet to make my boyfriend our like homemade cookie recipe that we literally just steal from the Toll House Toll House wrapper because they're the best. Um, wow. But I don't have a mixer, and I'm just like de- like delaying my baking capabilities. I just want to do things by hand. And I've never used um, a mixer to make most things. I usually just use a fork. See, you know, and I it, um, it. it makes it ten times smoother. Yeah, I want to bake cookies and a pie and like a cake mm-hmm. for just no reason. <laughs> anyway, before we get started, so I want to let you guys know, I was like super down for today. I'm like really excited to record. I, I lit a new candle. I lit an incense. Excuse me. I just belched. Oh my gosh. I should have lit a candle. I just I'm in a different room. room. Yeah, you are in a different room. And I just set the mood because I was really excited for this. So I just wanted you guys to know that I put some effort into my environment today. I'm, I'm glad that you are in a comfortable space and um, you have all the vibes. That's very important. That makes me happy for you. Um, so our topics today, I want to talk a little bit about redemption in terms of cancel culture in terms of cultural appropriation specifically. Um, If you have been on Beyonce's internet this week, you know that Adele... (laughs) Oh, I was like, what? Her birthday's on tomorrow. Anyway, keep going. Oh, really? Yeah, September 4th. Oh, I didn't know that. 
She's a um, Jay Z's December fourth, and they got married on the fourth of some month. Why I know that? Do not ask. Continue. Oh, you're right. Beyonce is a Virgo. Um. Yes. Yeah. So Adele was. I don't know where she was, but she posted a photo the other day of her in a very interesting getup. Um, she was wearing a Jamaican flag bikini top uh-huh. with leggings, mm-hmm. some weird pants. And um, there was some feathers somewhere yeah. in there. There was one little thing of feathers. And to top it all off, Bantu knots. Yeah, on her hair. If you don't know what Bantu knots are. <laughs> it is basically when you twist and or braid your hair and then you twist them into knots either because... You're going to sleep on them like that, and you're going to wake up and undo them and have wavy or curly hair, or that's just the style you want to wear. You keep them in those knots. It is a Afro-African-American hairstyle. Mm-hmm. It's very popular in the Black culture and community, um, and it can also be a protective style, quote-unquote, for your twist curls, depending on how your hair texture is. So do we normally see women who are not brown or black skin with Bantu knots? No. Have we been seeing it more in media and pop culture and like high editorial magazines with like white passing and, you know, white women? Yes. They've now deemed it like a European fashion hairstyle, yeah. I guess it's kind of transformed into. I actually think Adele was like in her home in her backyard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I have no idea I what know. she was doing. And wasn't she dating like a Caribbean she's, man? She's dating, a, she's dating a Caribbean rapper who was oh, like... That's what I thought. Like Spe- yeah. Spectre? Spectre? Yeah. There's like a bunch of memes about like Adele dumped her hag husband and like moved on to a black man and has like deeply connected to her <laughs> roots that and so and here's and the there's thing. a lot of caribbeans in london too and and, so, and maya and i kind of touched base on this a little bit we we're kind of sharing some things back and forth about um Adele and kind of like what was happening and I told Maya that I know Adele has black friends she has that popular um award speech I don't know if it was at the Grammys or not where she's looking at Beyonce because they were also she was also nominated for the category Adele won and Adele was like I love you I think you should have gotten this because I love I think it was when Lemonade came out and she was like Lemonade has done so many important things for women but like more importantly, black women and my black friends. And she's like, I really appreciate how you make my black friends feel and how empowering you are to like women. So like, mm-hmm. I, I know she has people in her circle that are black slash Caribbean. Yeah. I, like Maya said, we know London does have a really big a black huge Caribbean, Caribbean population. population. Oh, um, African too. They have tons yeah. of Africans there. Yes. Um, so... I don't know. And I don't know her personally. I don't know. But I'm assuming this was a carnival she threw for her tribe in her backyard. Yeah, well, and she said it too in the post. She was like, oh, you know, like right now would normally be carnival. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have, I, I have, I have a few, a few things on this. Um, <laughs> because I think I, and I've done this myself and I've experienced this where like, I'll take my friends to like an Indian function and I'll be like, here's some clothes that you can wear. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to eat, you know, explain everything to them so that they understand like what we're going to be doing. And like, they really appreciate that. And now like they come over and, you know, talk to my parents about like their culture and, you know, their customs and things like that. And like, they've learned because I've allowed them to learn. Right. Um, but 
The problem is that like, regardless of if you're appreciating a culture or not, there is a power dynamic at play when you are taking somebody's culture and using it as like your own aesthetic. So I think what Adele did was really like, I didn't find any problem with it, um, to be honest. I thought it was funny because I think she looked pretty ridiculous. And, like, if you've, you've seen carnival outfits, like, they're beautiful. Like, they're, they're all beaded and, like, laced and have, like, Super these elaborate. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're beautiful designs. So I was like, girl, what is this? Like, she's not even, like, I didn't even consider it to be in the realm of what a carnival outfit looks like because I'm like, this isn't it. This is just not it. And for me, and I think that was my thing, was, like, if you are celebrating it, your outfit was, like, a grade level F. Like, you just, <laughs> like, you tried by representing a country flag and by putting your hair in Bantu knots. Like, I just thought, like, you just did, like, the lowest level you could. I mean, like, we've seen Rihanna and Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and so many others go mm-hmm. all out celebrating. Justine Skye last year had a beautiful, like, purple carnival outfit in New York. Oh, gorgeous. Okay. And so, and because of that, and for me personally, when I saw it, I looked at her face, and I was just like, your face, like, are you making a joke of yourself? Because her face didn't look like a photogenic moment like I felt like yeah it looked like someone just like captured that and like yeah it was funny right like maybe she was a little drunk like maybe she was a little cross-faded like (laughs) I just thought like she was maybe making a joke of herself of like being drunk at a prior carnival because I don't know how long she's been like lost all this weight for this could have been last year you know Mm -hmm. pre-covid I do not know I don't know her relationship I don't know how long she's been dating this black guy I really don't know but yeah, man. I mean, is she canceled though? Have you noticed people? Cause what I've seen is I don't think people are like writing her off. I think they're like, we love you. And you sing like a black woman, quote unquote. Which, what does that even mean? Microaggression, <laughs> microaggression. <laughs> and, you know, I think, cause I, I tweeted like, oh no, baby girl's going to have to have like a ballad with a hip hop beat two times on her album to like face for what she did so of um of the read this week was literally uh kid fury is jamaican and he literally did like a whole the whole beginning of it was some uh like he was he was doing a jamaican accent as though he was a british person and singing as if he was adele Mm. So, I mean, I know people are making fun of it. I know people, you know, and I, like I said, I kind of how I I worded it to Maya when we first spoke on it, I was like, I personally do not even know enough about Caribbean or African culture Mm -hmm. enough to feel like I kind of even warred an opinion on the situation because it's not something that I would deem like specifically African-American culture. You know, it's not like we're talking about you know, I don't know, she had like a barbecue cookout and she posted a picture of herself in some like uncle sandals, like playing dominoes with like a mm-hmm. 40 in her hand. Like, okay. Also like that aesthetic um, is not an African-American aesthetic. Like the, right. I think like colored hair and um, gold jewelry, like layered jewelry and like long nails. Like that's what I think of when I think of like black Americans. Okay. Um, but like Caribbean styles, is more closely related to like African styles because like Caribbean culture is African culture essentially. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's just not like, yeah. Why would you think of that as an appropriation of your culture? Because that's not really black American culture. 
Right. And I feel like the people who are complaining, at least via black Twitter and just like the internet of what I saw, seemed to just be really upset with it. Didn't understand her purpose. I mean, she still has the picture up. It's got like over, I think, like two million likes on Instagram. There were no, the Jamaicans were in the comments like, oh, she one of us now. Exactly. Like there were literal like celebrity Naomi Campbell put up a Jamaican flag. Like Zoe Saldana was like, get it, girl. Like there were so many high profile people of Caribbean descent who were like, thank you for like talking about Carnival. So it's like I just feel like she should have posted a better picture with her face. That's really not cool. I really just don't care. And you know what? I say that though, and I just I was about to say I really don't care, which makes me kind of reel it in of like, I'm so over like the discussions we have to have because it's just throwing our face. Like, what would you say for the last like 72 hours or however long it's been since the picture has been up? Probably like a quarter of your feed has been dedicated to like jokes and oh, yeah. accents and like, hey, there's a whole podcast opening from the read, <laughs> like dedicated to this moment in pop culture. So like, I don't know, but it's just an interesting way how we deal with celebrity specifically, I guess, mm-hmm. when it comes to redemption in the culture. Because like I asked, I was asking like, do we think she's canceled? And I don't think she is because I, I don't think, think so. I think, like you said, the Jamaicans stood up for her. I think celebrities of Caribbean descent stood up for her. So she's not, but then there's other people who, you know, aren't so lucky. <laughs> yeah. And so like, and we were discussing this um, and I sent Caitlin like a, a thread about like appreciation versus appropriation. And I have a very different perspective on it because like I am first generation and my parents are both from two other countries. Right. And so I notice that usually the people that are upset about appropriation are people like me who have lived in the U.S. and knew that, like, they had to literally fight to represent their culture. Like, I, I literally was just reading a thread about, um, on South Asian Nation, about this girl talking about how she was embarrassed to eat curry, even though Western culture, they love Indian food. They have, like, frozen Indian food now. I just saw someone that I follow, like, post a bunch of frozen Indian food. They were like, oh, I'm obsessed with Indian food. And yeah. yet like all of us were bullied because they're like, you're smelly, you're gross. Yeah. Like, you know, all sorts of slurs that I'm not even going to say on here about Indian people. Um, and then like being Caribbean, I, I never had like my culture validated at all. Like my identity was never validated because people didn't even know where I was from. People right. didn't even know where the Caribbean was. I just talked about this in the last episode. Right. Um, and so for someone like me and for other people of the diaspora, depending on where you're from, um, appropriation is taken a little bit more seriously because we had to grow up in the U.S. where we were literally bullied. And right. now people have taken like the bits and pieces of our culture that they like and use that as their aesthetic. And right. so you notice this a lot in like, and I talk about like yoga instructors and people that like practice meditation and things like that. And like all of those practices are directly taken from India and people like shit on us and like your whole life, they're like, oh, Indians are so ugly. You have ugly noses. You guys smell, you guys are hairy. Um, your clothes are like ugly, like all this stuff. And then they like go and they are like, oh, I'm like a yoga instructor. I went to India. I'm a changed person. And so I'm just like, is this like, are people redeemable? Because I struggle with it a lot. I'm like, I don't know if in my mind, white people can be redeemed at all. Mm. 
And I struggle with it because I don't ever want to like see people that way. Like I do, I do think that we should allow people like the space to learn and grow and educate themselves and be better. But like, do I believe white people can be redeemed? I don't know. Um, okay. So then, Ooh, okay. Okay. You said some things. (laughs) Okay. Do I think white people can be redeemed? Yes and no, because I think it, we're starting to see it just takes a certain type of, of person, I guess, to even be redeemed. Because some people are just like you, you think it can be done on like an individual level rather than yes. like a. It's not going to be, it's never going to be as a cultural whole, in my honest opinion. I think I so. I, I think, think I agree. I think because of how America was created, I think because of how all of us, like you said, uh, first generation families, how they've been treated trying to be in a space that has been told throughout the history of time, you come to America to escape, you know, the European or Asian hardships and wars that come over you and we will welcome you in, welcome to our melting pot. And yet- Though we made the wars. (laughs) Yes. And the experience here is quite the opposite depending on your background. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of- white friends like really close white friends and I don't know it's interesting to me because that's why I think it's individual I guess I guess that just proves my point like I I don't know Um, (laughs) and here's my thing what I did want to say when Maya was speaking about perception of Indian people I did want to have a moment where I come clean because I've definitely had a moment where I did not want to mess with Indian people I had a really bad experience with an Indian customer when I worked at a hotel. Oh yeah, they're hella rude. Yeah, just yelled at me, ripped me to shreds. Um, I actually had a coworker who was working with me who like stood up for me and was like, yo, you need to back up and like calm down. Like what you're mad over is super minuscule compared to the way like you're expressing your feelings towards Mm -hmm. her. And my Mexican general manager had to sit me down and explain to me, you know, we're a hotel by the airport. You're going to get a lot of cultural people. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. in India, based on the food chain of employment, when you work in the service industry, you are seen as the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. So he's taking what he knows and he's bringing it here, not realizing that we don't really like to handle things that way. And that was an eye opener for me because it stuck with me and I was just so disgusted by how I was treated. I definitely generalized. I'd say for like the next six months, like you just couldn't tell me anything. And it was just like, well, I know my like two people that I know and trust. And like, I just don't even want to mess. And then I had a neighbor. She was a woman living alone in her like thirties and she was Indian and her, she used to make our whole building. We had like five studio apartments. Our whole building used to just smell of curry every day. And I loved it because I love Indian food. And I, good. Laugh, and I used to laugh at myself because I was like, you had this horrible experience with this man. You didn't even know what Indian culture was until you got to the Bay Area. Because mm-hmm. newsflash, if you've never been in the Bay Area, folks, the Indian culture is extreme. There is so many of them here from so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really popular for Indians to leave their native lands, come to America for educational purposes and for jobs. And Maya's talked about this before, sending money back and just like, we kind of talked about that in previous episodes. But yeah, you saying that is so interesting because I know Indians, I feel like are probably one of the demographics that have it the worst in America in regards to perspective, assumptions, Mm -hmm. microaggressions, everything. And I don't know, it's just very interesting. So yeah, I just wanted to call myself out because I've definitely been that person. And I think it's important for us to own up to when we know we've done wrong in regards to a group of people. Mm -hmm. Like you can't ever just sit back and act like, oh, well, I never, you know, a hundred percent involved myself in that 
Kool-Aid watermelon themed party. Like, no, you were there. You dressed up. You know, it's how I feel about when we had hip hop quote unquote theme things and people showed up in like oversized shirts and the whole wrapping a plaid shirt around your waist for a hip hop rap concert, like boggles my mind. I don't understand. <laughs> That's a different topic. But anyway, back to what we were discussing before. So yeah, calling myself out because I've Appreciate been that. that. Thank you. And because people do have it rough here, like you said, first generation experience here. I, I, I don't know what exactly happened for the experience to be opposite of the dream. And I don't know if you can kind of touch base on that from your own experience as you I talk just, about, you know. I don't, I don't think there ever was a dream. I think that what the U.S. has done, and I've said this before, uh, white people are really good at marketing. I think that the U.S. has become this huge imperialistic empire and gone into these other countries and ruined those countries and then said like, oh, but you know, if you come to our country and work for us for less money you'll have it better. Um, than everyone else in the country, you know, you're going to have it better anyway. Like you can make it. Yeah. And specifically with the Asian diaspora, it's very interesting um, that you say that because um, as you can see, um, South Asians are the darkest ones and we're always the most discriminated against. Yes. So colorism is very real, especially in Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, and people know like of Indians from like very specific things, like you said, um, and they are really rude in the service industry. And I've experienced that myself as an Indian person, yeah, because Indians don't consider me Indian, but that's another story for another time. Um, (laughs) but the thing is that like they, um, the U S really does convince people from other countries. Like, Oh, if you come here, like your life will be better. Cause like we have democracy and we're free, which is very far from the truth. Cause like we are not a democracy in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like people really do have a perception of us that once you come here, like you don't realize it, but then like when you, when you're an immigrant, your perception is very different because you really do believe that. And right. a lot of immigrants really do make it and they are able to come here and, and make something better than they would have, Yes. In their country. But for, for first generation people, you're born here and you didn't have the option to come to this country. Mm-hmm. And because you aren't quite from that place and you're also not quite from here, you're treated very differently because like my dad has an accent. He can't be anything other than Indian. Right. But then he had mixed kids and we all look very ambiguous. And depending on how I style my hair and what I wear and what makeup I have on, I can look like whatever race I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a very different experience because he can only be that one thing. Whereas like the rest of us, we grew up here and he considers us American, but like Americans don't consider us American. So it's just like an interesting dynamic. But the, the thing about like, having these generalizations about different cultures like you just did like Mm -hmm. acknowledging oh I I thought about this because I had one experience with one person um and that's why I I struggle with like the redemption thing because I'm like can we really generalize people based on what the people that look like them have done in the past so I, I do agree with you with white people. It's very different because like Europe and the U.S. has gone and colonized and destroyed all the other countries in the world, basically, yes. on purpose for their yes. own benefit. Yes. So I, I think that there are some people that can learn and can get better. But I do I don't think that as a race and 
ethnicity, I don't, I don't think that they can be redeemed. I think they need to be abolished. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't think that'll ever happen in America. Um, like I said, from the history of it and how it continues to evolve, because it seems like no matter how hard we try generation after generation, it's, it's not like an overwhelmingly large number of white people kind of like coming together at the mercy of minorities and those Mm -hmm. that are, um, you know, oppressed. So I don't know. And and maybe they are, I I seem to see, of course, white people come out for, you know, pride. I see white people coming out for women's marches. You know, Mm -hmm. I see them coming out for, I guess that's it really. But like when it comes to, you know, about a specific person being, you know, shot or killed or whatever the case may be for someone who's black or brown, how many people do we really see becoming true allies marching in the streets? Like, I'm actually really shocked at this whole like Portland mom thing that's been going on and how there's been this really big like following of these moms who are like, we don't know why these people in these black uniforms and riot gear are here when we're just trying to like, and how Portland's been deemed as the city that has continuously protested and marched, you know, for equality, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Which is also interesting because I've seen, um, like a very different narrative on Twitter because I mostly follow Caribbean and right black people. Um, and people are like, once again, white people are centralizing themselves in the conversation. And I think that's the the key in being an ally. And I told my mom this a while ago, which she was not happy about this. I was like, I don't think white people can actually be allies. And here's why. They do not know how to decenter themselves because everything in the world is centered around them. They don't know how to do it because they've never had to. They've never had to say like, oh, let me not speak. My opinion maybe isn't valid because this has nothing to do with me. They think everything has to do with them. And unless you can really like fully be like, I'm just literally going to sit here and be silent and just provide support. And even though they are um, protesting in Portland, Portland is a very white city. So it's white people... Historically. Eating up the news cycle. Meanwhile, people in like Kenosha are still like protesting for Jacob Blake. And it's interesting because it's, it's the white savior complex. Yeah. I think we touched based on in our white girl episode that, um, that I find interesting. And and I don't know, I, I'm going to use my friend as an example because I don't think she'd care. Um, but I have a friend who, um, her dad lives on like a farm in the middle of nowhere and he had a blue lives matter bumper sticker on his truck and she took it off and i didn't see it when we pulled up like went and talked to him you know talked about the cowboys saw some Did he know what it does he know what it means i believe so so and that's what makes it complicated because i'm not gonna put like all the business out there but basically my friend took this bumper sticker off was just like how dare you essentially um and he's like you know his one of his daughters is married to a texas ranger as in like Mm -hmm. a sheriff Um, and you know, his ex-girlfriend, I think has very strong, you know, police views and, and, and quote unquote red Republican, whatever. Um, and he's very vocal as well on Facebook. I'm seeing his posts about, you know, comply and, you know, police should be allowed to defend themselves. And, and my friend is commenting on everyone, like, how dare you? And I just don't understand where this is coming from. And like, and my friend is, you know, white through and through, um, and 
both of her best friends are black. Like she grew up, childhood friend is black. And then me and her met in high school and we've been friends ever since. So like those things are hard for me because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, damn, like here's someone who I would like have flown with him to Texas and like gone and seen a football game and like enjoyed my entire weekend with. And I, and I do, you know, and he's like obviously seen you and your other and her other black friend, like grow up. And he's never made me feel uncomfortable in my life. But then this is someone who is not quite allowing himself to understand because he sees black lives matter as the enemy. He just sees it as like, you know, sees red you can tell he doesn't quite understand it. And you can tell people that support Blue Lives Matter don't understand the concept of... Clearly not, because there's no such thing as a blue life. Exactly. It's a, <laughs> an occupation. It's not a skin tone. It's literally you not... Were born... It has nothing to do with your DNA. Right. I cannot help being black. You can help that she chose the, this job and that your colleagues are making you look like idiots every day yeah. and it's your stupidity. And, and that's my thing. And that's why I guess I struggle with the whole redemption of the white culture. And that's why I think it is very individualistic because there are white people, you know, like we talk about the Vietnam war and like the hippie movement. And and that was a a big face of that was white people was Mm -hmm. the white people in America. Like enough is enough. You keep putting our people of color at risk. You're taking all of us over to a country in a war that we have no part to be of for your own political and financial gain. Like, stop it. And, you know, people look back on that moment and all they talk about how that's generalized is what drugs and free love. And that's when homosexuality and pedophilia just like went rampant and that's all that they need to be remembered for. And I'm like, you're missing the point. <laughs> like equal <laughs> rights and humanity was at the forefront of all of that. And yeah. just being able to live your life unapologetically. Yes. Were there problematic aspects of that? There isn't everything that we have to fight mm-hmm. for, but like, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think yeah, like, yeah. we will ever be redeemed for America because no matter what and how this country moves, there will always be a group of people who are so steadfast in their history of their ancestors and how they came here on the Mayflower and how they are the ones that created Connecticut and how they're the ones that buildings are named after. And these are, you know, people that are political. I mean, if the Kennedy family were like full blown Republicans who were all about, you know, low taxes for the wealth, no one would care about the Kennedy name. Like, I mean, they would, but they'd be an advocate for like, you know what I'm saying? Like the Kennedys only have respect because they were on the other side of things. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't think they ever will. Yeah, and I and I also think that like the key there is being individualistic. I think that white Americans are super super individualistic and I don't think that they have a sense of community because they haven't had to. Like for the rest of us um because we are the minority in the country, like we go and seek out communities that are like us because like we're here to help each other. That's why we have like things like mutual aid and like these networks of people of color, um, brown and black people who are mutually helping each other. That's like always been the case because yeah. we have to do that. And because like they live um, freely and they're able to just like go and do whatever they want, they've never had to cultivate a sense of community. And so that's where I think like the key is of like, you can change some individual minds because they're individualistic. Like they're never gonna feel community with you because they don't know what community is. They've never had to do it. As you said that, I was like, the only thing they have for community is Thanksgiving, 4th of July, and the Olympics. Which are all racist. Like, that's it. Because there's really nothing else. Like, I mean, I'm sure there is. I'm kind of being a brat when I say that, but. I mean, I would say like, I don't know, sports. 
Yeah, but there's black people in every sport, even NASCAR. I so, I mean, even golf, like, sorry, we've infiltrated all of your sports because, sorry, black people are athletic and they like sports. Well, and also, like, y'all have been here for the same amount of time. They brought you with them. So, <laughs> of course. Um, but, yeah, but also, let's let's talk a little bit about, like, um, cancel culture, too, because... We are talking about this on like a kind of like pers- interpersonal level, like between us and the people that we know. Um, right. But when it comes to like celebrities mm-hmm. and politicians, mm-hmm. how do we feel about that? Like I, I don't really agree with cancel culture. I think it's really harmful. I think it doesn't allow people to um, to learn. Like I would much rather us educate people and tell them to just shut up. Be like, just stay silent for a minute. Yeah. Just don't don't go out there and like do anything like you don't need to post on social media because you sound like an idiot so here let's educate yourself and allow them like at least at least just give them the opportunity if they're not going to grow they're not going to but like give them the chance to do it because I think like in the case of Adele for example I'm sure um whatever black friends she was possibly with when she posted that photo and everybody started, like, making memes and, like, jokes and commenting. I'm sure they were like, hey, Adele, here's what's up. Like, here's what you need to know. Here's some things about Caribbean culture that you maybe didn't know. This is how this festival is for us. Like, this is why this is important. Here's a history of Bantu nods. Please don't ever wear them again. Um, like, See, maybe, they, maybe, maybe they educated her. Maybe she was just like, okay, but now, like, I can do that. I feel like they hyped her up. Like, don't take it down. You broke the internet. And fuck it. Because... I don't know. I'd yeah. like to think that this was a moment of education. Maybe it was on some level. If I saw my friend getting like the backlash that she got for that photo, I would definitely say something. Yeah, but I've noticed that. Even if I didn't think it was problematic. But when I see celebrities become like hashtags on Twitter or like the most like picture on Instagram of the day, I always scroll through the comments and I see other celebrities hyping them up. Like, fuck the haters, boo, you look good. Like, you broke the internet, do you, boo? And I'm just like, see, y'all don't even care. You're not even focused on, like, the conversation at hand of the appropriation because you're just trying to, like, quote-unquote, be a good friend and, like, support them. And like you said, instead of using the moment to educate. Like, I would have loved to see one of her friends or her man be like, you look good, good job on your progress and your journey, but like, can't wait to take you to the homeland and show you how it's really done. Like, I didn't, I don't feel like yeah. I saw any of that. I love that. You know, like, I can't wait to like have this opportunity to take you to where it really goes down and I'll immerse you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we were talking about it and I was like, we'll never, we'll never know. Like, we will never know. know what a celebrity is doing because like, they don't just like roam around in real life. <laughs> like, they live in like gated communities, things like that. So like, no matter what they decide to do, like, we will never, we don't know them. We don't know, like, what happened. We don't know the situation that led to the moment of possible appropriation. Like, we don't know anything. And we don't know how they're going to change after that either. So it's just such a, like, slippery slope to just be like, oh, I'm just never going to engage with somebody ever again. Like, because I just think about it, like, if I had a friend who did something problematic, I wouldn't just, like, immediately cut them out. I've tried to talk to them. So then I'm like, then why can't we do that with celebrities and just be like, friends, tell this person that this was problematic. 
I think there's a small group of people that understand your logic and follow those steps. And I think there's a way larger number of people who love to cancel people because they just hate their own lives. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> the internet. you right. No, seriously. I think because of the internet and social media, I think trolls and haters have gotten so bold and so inspired to just like start a movement so they can go tell their small community, like I'm the person that sent that first tweet. Like I got viral. Like I'm the reason why there's 50,000 likes on a tweet on Twitter. Ooh, you're like, probably right. Because the people that like feed off of canceling these celebrities also get clout. Yeah, because it's like the celebrities get clout, but then the individual person on social media who posts these things that people love to agree with, you get your five minutes of fame. Because what do you see on every viral tweet? Oh, I either do have a SoundCloud to promote or I don't. Well, you could follow me back though, if you're liking, like if you're here to like, mm-hmm. or like here, let me plug, whatever. And it's like, you're, you're loving the fact that you happen to go viral and that's it. It's your five minutes of fame. It's just social media version of it. Because some people have come out and actually apologized for like yeah. writing tweets that went viral and being like, I'm so sorry I put you through hell on earth for a week. Like, even though I deleted it, it's already been screenshot and shared so many times. Like, the whole internet saw it. That's what I think. I, I feel like there's a small demographic of people who are like, <laughs> it's okay. This is a learning experience. Because I think about people like Camila Cabello who it like surfaced that she had a bunch of like just racist tweets just things I mean, about she's a white Tina, so I'm not surprised you know then it came out you know Normani's experience with Fifth Harmony and just how she was treated by the mm-hmm. fans and by Camilla and how Camilla had to come out and defend herself and be like you know I was young I didn't know any better but it's like but you didn't know better you just got away with it because you were the quote-unquote lead of this group and yeah. because the fans loved you the most out of all the other girls like you just got away which is with crazy it. to me She's and so mediocre. And it's just, and like, it's an interesting thing because she's not canceled. You know, that happened. And then her little Senorita song came out. And then, you know, she wrote that Money Way. It's just, it's interesting. And, you know, so, I mean, I don't know. It's yeah, just, well, I, and I think, well, that's like one of the reasons why I have a problem with it. Because I'm like, you cancel the wrong people. The wrong people get canceled every time. And celebrities have all come out of it, like, cancel culture's crap. Everybody deserves the opportunity to learn. And I'm here, let me be honest. I'm a very much a second chance person, okay? Everyone deserves a second chance. Do you deserve a third or a fourth? I don't know. (laughs) It's my case situation. I'm not God. But, like, second chance. You publicly fuck up. Stay on your P's and Q's for the, like, if you, if you are living the lifestyle that you have because you're a celebrity, that also comes with responsibility. Like celebrities tell you every single time they become famous, like you think it's the certain world, you Mm -hmm. find out it's not, you have to find your way to navigate and like get a tight circle around you. And you just have to reap the benefits of everyone being in your business for X amount of years. So you can live this life and have the things you want so you can die peacefully. Yeah. Is it worth it? Because now you're under a microscope and, you know, one wrong turn. I mean, think about, I have a friend who was like, oh, I spent my time just like finding really racist people on the internet and calling their jobs and, you know, getting them fired because you're racist. And I'm like, that's extreme. Like, if that's how you want to like contribute to the cause. I mean, I see it on Twitter every day. Hey, we found this idiot. Twitter, do your thing. And then six hours later, we know where you live. We know your employer. We know where you bought a burger at six months ago. And now the company that you work for has to put out a statement saying they've seen it. They don't condone it. And you are now fired. 
best of luck trying to find another job with your face plastered all over the internet for your seconds of fucking up. So, I mean, we also do that. That's cancel culture. You lost your job. That's like, and that's so extreme. Like in some cases, I don't know. I don't know if like taking somebody's livelihood away is ever (laughs) the right response. Because to me, that's like, you're doing exactly what they do. We're basically saying you harassed someone and it went viral on the internet, so you deserve to lose your job. Yeah. And then be terrorized for the end of for your the day. rest of your life. On social media because, and then that's the thing. And, and are these situations really bad and traumatic? Yes. Do they cause PTSD for black and brown people on the other side of, you know, the fence? They really do. 100%. For the LGBTQ plus community that's on the opposite side of these, you know, not getting charges put against your attackers, even though your video went viral. And I mean, you, you have the proof. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a slippery slope. And I guess, I guess we're saying people deserve second chances and some things are too harsh, but then again, is it a case by case thing? I I think it's a case by case thing because there are some really racist people out there that I'm like, all right, fuck up their lives. But then there's some people that I'm like, did we need to like take this off the internet for that? Not really. Yeah. So I just struggle. I, I struggle with it because America is notorious for having the dumbest people in the entire world. And all we're doing is like allowing people to continue to be stupid because you canceling somebody means that they're never going to learn. And that's why our country is so dumb. Yeah, because there's people who now are like, oh, I see you recording me. Great, record me. I don't care. Like, people just don't care anymore because they're going to get kudos from their fellow people that feel the same way they do. Mm -hmm. And their day-to-day life really won't be affected. They'll be applauded while the rest of the world cancel them. They'll be like, you don't live in my town. You don't affect me. So, like, I'm good. I guess there is no, like, clear-cut decision. There isn't. There isn't any clear-cut decision. But I just wanted to discuss it. Um, Maybe some people can engage with us and let us know, like, how they feel about it. Because I know that a lot of people have discussed it. And I don't think that there's ever been a clear answer of, like, this is the way to go. Because how can you, like you said, like, I'm not God. Like, I can't determine what's correct, what's wrong, how you should be punished. Like, no. You know? It goes deeper. It's like an eye for an eye. Like, mm-hmm. like how how deeply is your fuck up deemed fucked up enough for you to? And lose? also, the people that are doing the canceling, like, how far are you willing to go to like make somebody pay for what they did? Because for me, I just don't. I don't have the energy. Yes, I don't have the energy to like repay people the way that they've done me dirty. Like, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, the biggest flex is for me to like be doing well in my life. Yeah. You tried it and you did not succeed. Like I'm still here and I'm doing just fine. And right. I'm probably doing better than you. And if I'm not, I mean, you'll never see it. I you'll never know. Me, but you'll <laughs> never really know. And I think, and I do that with myself. Like, I know I try to be transparent. You know, I, I know I, you know, whatever. But like, if I'm really struggling, no one would ever know. Yeah. I'm still going to let you think that I'm just like doing fine. But I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think about friendships in the regard of cancel culture. Like mm-hmm. how deep does a friend have to go for me to write them off and me to be like, you know what? I'm good love. Thanks for the memories. And, you know, I've, I've gotten into some really interesting predicaments with friends over the years in regards to racism or their lack of understanding of the black culture yeah, or too. just, um, you know, everything from saying the N word to like, 
Twitter handles being inappropriate to whatever the case may be. I don't know. I called this one girl out that I went to high school with because she used to always post hateful things against black people. But then in high school, she was making out with black guys in the hallway in between classes. It's so always was, those girls. But you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's things like that where I'm like, okay, but you can, she continues to show a pattern. And I'm like, yeah, I should cancel you because you literally haven't shown any improvement or any like actual, you know? Yeah. So, and I, and I think that's the key too, is like when you see a pattern in people's behavior, then you know, like they can't really be redeemed. Um, cause I feel the same way, like for the longest time, because I was really like, because I am multi-ethnic, like I was always very confused about racial anything. Like yeah. I was just like, I don't really know how I fit into this, but I knew that certain things made me really uncomfortable because I was like, those are my people. Yeah. Like when people, like I always, when I talk about black people, like I consider myself to be in community with black people. I consider those to be my people because like I come from black people. Right. Just because I'm not racialized in the U S as black by everybody. And I'm ambiguous. doesn't mean that like my people are not black people. Right. And so like people would say certain things and I would get it from like both sides. I would get it from white Latinas and I would get it from white Asians who would say stuff. And I was like, I may be both of those things. I may be the same ethnicity as you, but it's still like not okay for you to say that kind of stuff. And they'd be like, Oh, but why are you so upset? And I'm like, first of all, it shouldn't matter. I shouldn't have to advocate (laughs) <laughs> for you to not be a racist right? just and because I, I am or I am not one thing. Right. And now I have to take time out of my day to explain to you why what you said and why your thought process is wrong and how I don't appreciate it. And I'd prefer if you got it together so we don't have this conversation again. Yeah. And I, I, I think I like recently, I had a girl that I tried to become friends with when I worked mm-hmm. in a nonprofit. <laughs> and she was from North Carolina I didn't ask to be friends with her. She chose me. This happens to me a lot. People just decide that they want to be friends with me and then they just don't leave me alone. <laughs> so I had a girl who I, can't I, became, you. I was trying <laughs> to be friends with because I didn't have any friends at the job. And there was, there's so few like young people in the nonprofit industry So I was like, well, I guess if she wants to be friends, like I could give it a try, but she was white and she was from North Carolina and I was very iffy about it. And I went back and forth every single day. I was like, I just don't know if I can be friends with this white woman because I just don't have white women friends. Yeah. Um, And so I just like went back and forth all the time and eventually I, you know, ghosted her in typical cancer fashion Um, because sometimes it's really just not worth it. Like it was causing me a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress to have to explain to her all of these things. And like, she had lived in Argentina. And so she therefore thought that she was now Latino. I was like, first of all, everyone in Argentina is like a descendant of a Nazi because that's where they fled to. So they're all white anyway. Um, You're tripping. Second of all, because you have like, you need to realize your privilege in that you were able to learn how to speak Spanish and go live in South America when, like, I, because of forced assimilation, can't speak Spanish. So I was like, this girl is tripping. Like, she really thought. And I really tried to, like, be nice, and it just wasn't working for me. And it's just things like that, where, like, people really project their issues onto you, and people will, like, decide, oh, I don't want to learn anything, and I just want to, like, use you as my token friend. 
and try to like get away with whatever I can. That's when you cut people off. You can do it one time and I would still be like, nah, that's it for me. And I think, I think all of my issues and I'm trying to think back to like friends that I'm no longer friends with. And it wasn't even an issue of being the token black friend for them. I think a lot of them had to just do with like, you don't get it. Or like, you do have more than one black friend, but you still don't get it. And you think it's cute or funny because you have a black friend, but it's like in reality, I'm offended. And I just don't even explain it to you because I'm not your token. Like, no. And maybe too, because I grew up as the only black person in a space and in a room for so long Mm -hmm. and when that happens to us I think we kind of also just have to approach things differently because that's just I mean that's kind of all we know you know like it's survival honestly yeah so yeah cancel culture I think it's I think it's cruel I think it's harsh um I I think y'all need to get it together and cancel the right people and that's the thing. It's like, if we're going to do it, like, it needs to be the people who really, like, we need to do it hard. You know what I'm saying? To, like, the people who truly wholeheartedly deserve it. Yeah. Not not the idiot who was a teenager who you found having a Twitter conversation with a high school student. And I don't know. Like, there's just so many levels to it. I don't know. But, yeah, case by case, individualized. But for redeeming, I mean, yeah. I don't think that redemption's ever coming. I don't think so either. <laughs> and they have no one to blame but themselves. And yeah, so I mean, social media is only going to get worse in the next two months leading up to November 4th. So I advise everyone yeah. to just kind of acknowledge that, curb your social media use yeah, because cancel culture. You can. Yeah, cancel culture will be super strong because people are going to slip up and say things and people are going to get upset about it. Um, don't fall into the trap. Don't be one of those people. And like Maya said, if you're going to cancel someone, it needs to be for a super valid reason. And it needs to be something that is like punishable by death in the court of law, or you just don't get it. You've had multiple chances. You clearly don't give a damn. So you don't deserve these coins from these people anyway, because you're not an ally. So do we need to take a break? The last thing we're going to talk about um, is kind of like a, I guess we're just going to group it together as microaggressions and kind of just touch base on what they are and um, how they affect women and people of color. Um, And we kind of also already touched base on that, like we said, with the generalizations and stereotypes of the Indian culture um, in regards to food, smell, cleanliness, attitude, behavior, all those areas we touched base on. Um, It actually kind of ties into something that's kind of relevant. I don't know if people have been following on social media, this Ellen DeGeneres issue of her producers creating work environments that felt very intimidating and hostile to women and people of color Mm -hmm. um, and how they're still running their internal investigation. Those specific producers have been fired. Um, She actually just promoted Twitch. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, but he's the DJ on her show, and she just promoted him. He's the dancer on. Um, so you, so think you think he can dance? dance? Yes. Oh, I used to love that show. Four season with our four black folks that like made it super far, and then Joshua ended up winning. It was fantastic. I love them. Anyway, so Twitch is now an executive producer. He's gonna be getting this coin. Um, nice. Good for so him. Much more money. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because I actually saw a video that some of her employees put out because 
one of our quote unquote sorority sisters is actually in it. And so her, cause she works as a personal assistant or something on the Ellen show. Interesting. Um, so I don't know her. Um, I know her big sis, but I don't really know her, but I do follow her because she's black and I follow the black sisters in the house. Cause I took that upon myself to do that. Anywho. Yeah. Um, but they were basically like talking about microaggressions. And I, I think it was like for Juneteenth, if I'm not mistaken, I could be completely off base here. Um, and that kind of got me thinking because like, the microaggressions she used and I just kind of thought about her life because she is surrounded by a lot of white women and like white passing women mm-hmm. um, and I, I kind of feel like my black experience is different from hers even if we might have the same microaggressions kind of on our side yeah but um, and it's like a huge I, I think microaggressions are, are super prevalent in work environments because people tend to get away with a lot more when it's done in the name of professionalism Yes. Um, I'm sure they keep HR departments up at night. I'm sure, you know, (laughs) lawyers are like hoping and praying that, you know, because it's a big realm. But I also wanted to tell you guys um, the actual definition of microaggressions, which origin actually only dates back to the 1970s. So kind of take that into perspective of kind of like how the world was shaped and what it was back then, the fact that this is the origin of the word. But um, it's a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as racial or ethnic minority. Um, And that's what it is. And so the perfect best example I feel like Black women love to give is um, you sound really white for a Black girl, which- Oh, I I thought you were going to say your hair. Oh, no. Um, I, I find like that, but that might be my personal experience, but I feel like so many black women I know who don't string Ebonics into their daily narrative or have a Southern or black accent because they're not from that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, which was the example in the video that made me think about that person was, um, you're really pretty for a black woman. Yeah. Definitely have heard those before. Um, it's really weird. It makes me really uncomfortable to have people try to like tell me that I'm superior than other black women because I I speak with proper grammar or because, you know. Which, my what is like, proper grammar? Right, because honestly, the English language is a true joke in comparison to all of our languages that, you know, compared to Latin, German, Spanish, like French, the English language makes no sense. Um, but microaggressions are real and they're really crappy and they tie into, um, I used to get made fun of growing up. Uh, you're an Oreo, like this Oreo complex of you're white on the inside, black on the outside because of these things. And, you know, Maya mentioned it earlier, your struggle with the Spanish language because your parents were trying to ensure that you didn't come off more ethnic than you are. And I mean, you can hear it in both of our voices on the podcast. Um, I think I spoke about before how my godfather nicknamed me Ghetto Girl and that transformed to Valley Girl after (laughs) I left Texas because he's like, you don't sound like a Texan anymore. Yeah, my uncle used to say that too. When we moved to California, he started calling us Valley Girls. And then as we got older, he was like, oh, Maya, you don't sound like a Valley Girl anymore. I was like, thank you. I crossed the bridge back. I'm good. Um, But yeah, and I don't know. It's just weird because I knew that that gave me a certain level of privilege. My other black brothers and sisters will never be given because they're products of their environments. Mm -hmm. 
it's always interesting to me when I see like basketball players or football players that are super country or like their ebonics is so strong. And I know the reporter's having a hard time dissecting these answers. And Which I, know I think it's so funny. It is. And like, it's turned into kind of a joke and like a gimmick of like, people can't understand us. And it's like, oh, you don't have a degree in ebonics? Like, that sure sucks. Like, that's <laughs> to talk to somebody. Um, but I mean, I have moments where like, I'd be talking to someone from Mississippi and I'd be like, I need you to slow down. Because your accent is so thick and your drawl so strong. I literally can't string together what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God bless, I'm a black woman asking and I'm not a white woman because it would come off completely racist. We'd all be mad upset about it. But I think people should pay more attention about microaggressions. You know, the Mexican community, I feel like lately in America, has just really been a product of the microaggressions in regards to like crossing the border, um, drug trafficking, um, gang-related activity, like... The white culture loves to talk shit about Mexicans, but like Mexico's the first place y'all run to when you need a margarita and some sun. So like, I'm really confused on like what our kind of like level is in regards to microaggressions, because I know it's not like a whole community thing. Like I can't just say that like all white people use them and they don't understand when they use them and like all, you know, but. Yeah, and I want to, and I want to touch on that really quick too, um, because microaggressions in the Latin community are the same. (laughs) So. I have always been told by Mexicans and Central Americans that Dominicans speak ugly Spanish, that we speak the worst Spanish, that we're uneducated because Dominican Spanish is largely African and Taino slang. Yes. A lot of our words are not actually Spanish words. A lot of our slang and people know this, like it's a very well-known thing. If you know anything about the Caribbean or you know anything about like Puerto Rico um, the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, Puerto Rico, um, Dominican Republic, Cuba, yes. is that we have a very specific way of speaking and Dominicans in particular have a very specific slang. Mm-hmm. And that's because of our African roots and people in other Latin American countries. And I say this specifically because Mexicans are very nationalistic and I've spent my whole life in San Diego being um, having Mexicans, you know, use these microaggressions against me yes. and be like, oh, you know, like, Dominicans aren't really Latino. Like y'all are Caribbeans. Like you guys are uneducated. Like you guys don't even speak real Spanish. Um, and so it's it's like that even in the Latin American community where the more black you are, the more slang you use, um, people say the same things. So when my mom speaks Spanish, she her parents very purposefully made sure she didn't speak like street slang from the Dominican Republic. Um, and so she speaks Spanish very differently from my cousins who grew up in Santo Domingo and people will be like, oh, your Spanish is so beautiful, all this stuff. And she literally tells me, she's like, yeah, like my parents purposefully like made sure that I didn't speak like other people from the city because they didn't want me to be discriminated against. I was like, that's crazy. But it happens in the Latin American community as well. The same things of like, the more African roots you have, the more slang you use, the more original your language is, and like only in your community, the more you will be discriminated against. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, and how that passes on from generation through generation of like being so fearful of what would happen to your child out in the world if they honed in on just like tradition family mm-hmm. tradition, you know, cause it's, um, it's interesting. It's just like my parents, they were just, they were very adamant. They were like, you know, we didn't know if you would like keep a Southern accent, but we just knew that 
you know, my mom grew up in the ghetto and my dad was just always the only black kid in a room full of white people. So like mm-hmm. the joke was always that like my dad was a Carlton, another microaggression. Um, and like, I was a preppy girl. Like my mom put me in polos and I would have a polo in every color. You know, I had Pumas, like, I don't know, like, yeah, did I dress preppy sometimes? Sure. But was that, it had nothing to do with like trying to exhibit a type of like persona. It had everything to do with just the fact that like, I just like toilets and polos and whatever. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, you can be, <laughs> you can assimilate your environment, like we very clearly have, because we've had to for survival. Yes. yes. It will never make you white on the inside. You will never be like you are never a, a an Oreo or a coconut or a banana or whatever other stupid terms people coin against yes. ethnic minorities yeah. because, like, you aren't white on the inside. You do have, like, cultures and traditions that, like, are not white. And no matter what you do and no matter how much you assimilate, like, you will still always be brown or black. Right. It's just, like, it It boggles my mind that people even, like, used to say that. I'm like, yeah. but, but you're not. And it's funny because it's like, looking at me, you would never know that I have over 20% of white in my DNA because my grandmother is half white. Like, you just would never know that. You would never know that about my dad, who's four shades darker than me that he's literally like it's so funny my mom now the joke in our house is like oh white people and she's like sorry honey because my dad has like the most white out of all of us for dna and it's like i literally snort every time i hear it and i'm like this is so bad on us to do this but also like it's really funny but this is our dna like we do have substantial amount of like european dna a part of us but you know it's always funny and my parents god bless them named me caitlin marie like you would never assume me, a black girl with a fro, is going to walk in. My favorite thing about interviews is having someone talk to me on the phone, do a phone interview. We vibe, everything's great. And then I walk in and they're like, oh, she's black. And I'm always like wondering, like, is it a bonus for them or is it like a hindrance? They're like, okay. Because mm. like I've always had braids or I have this fro. There's yeah. really nothing in between. So it's like, not only am I black, but I have a black protective hairstyle or like natural hairstyle. Mm-hmm. So like the whole crown acts that are being passed in like LA, how you can no longer discriminate against dreadlocks and braids and all that stuff. And it's like, that's a microaggression in in itself that a hairstyle is going to mean that someone is more ghetto or violent or like more black than someone else who like in the South, like the Atlanta hair scene, all weaves, all mm-hmm. wigs, all extensions, because out there when you deal with white people, they want to see you with your straight, long, pretty black Indian hair that you have sewn into your head that you have headaches from every day because they're not down seeing braids and natural hairstyles, even though it's more of a black and brown community than it is white, no matter the mm-hmm. history, no matter what you want to tell yourself. So I don't know. It's just interesting that people are still 2020. And I mean, it's the, like the, the description says it's a subtle quote. unquote. Yeah. I don't really know how subtle they are. Um, the, hair, the hair thing is also like a really common microaggression. Do you ever get people being like, oh, like, did you change your hair? Oh, like, did you do that yourself? Like questions like that when you switch up your hairstyle? Mine is, um, you see, so, like, is that your me? real hair? No, for me, it's when my hair used to be straight. It was, you have really good hair for like a black woman. Like that was the like mm-hmm. microaggression. Um, but I have had like Mexican friends be like, well, I like your braids because I wear more individuals or like really smaller box braids. They're not as big as what's being like on trend right now. Mm-hmm. And my friends being like, you know, like well, a black girl walks by with large box braids and they're like, I don't like it like that, but like, I like it yours. I love a jumbo braid. 
And I'm just like, damn, like black women can't even get their, can't even do your hair how you want without. You can't even do your own like traditional style of of hair. And it's crazy because like, I don't know. And it's just interesting. So yeah, I mean. I also get that a lot of like, oh, like, you know, like you have really good hair. Yeah. Especially from my Caribbean family. Especially I felt like, I felt like you got that a lot. Yeah. People are always like, oh my gosh, like you have great hair because they're so surprised by how my hair is. And they're surprised by the texture of my hair. Right. Because of the way that I look. Right. Um, and people, I, I braid my hair a lot. I'm Dominican, so I'm really good at braiding my hair. <laughs> yes. We're really good at, we're just really good at doing hair. Um, yeah. It's just what we're known for. But I, I always do a lot of like different kinds of braids. Um, I like to do like, you know, four or five like braids back or yeah. like I'll just do like a bunch of little braids, just like different things because I like to switch up my hairstyle. I don't like to wear my hair the same all the time. And like when I used to work in like a professional setting, people in the office would be like, oh, like, is that your real hair? Like, is that your natural hair? Um, like they wanted to, they wanted to know like what I was. Yeah. without asking me are you black and is that a wig or not yeah I remember working in property management with a Hawaiian or Polynesian woman as my boss and like I barely clearly got my hair rebraided over the weekends <laughs> and it's the first thing oh did you get your hair rebraided no bitch it looks completely fresh and you can see my scalp because my hair just magically like Oh, it just it does was, this by itself. What do you mean? And it was th- yeah, and there was things like that or like ne- having a fro for a week because, you know, like I was just waiting for my braid appointment and I just had to take out my braids. Yeah. And just like, I get that people want to ask questions. I get that people like want to be inquisitive. And I guess it goes back to like, we're not your token black Latino answer for what you don't understand. Like you want to be curious about a hairstyle? Google it. There's a black hairstylist who would love to get your extra view on YouTube because you just had a question that you needed answered. If you are curious, like go and actually show that you're curious because half the time they're not really curious. They just want to know how to, what box to put you in. They don't actually care about your customs or traditions or like the time that you actually put into getting yourself ready and, you know, getting your grades done, which takes hours. Um, Like, they don't care about any of that. Like, they just want to know what box to put you in so that they know how to treat you. Yeah, it's ridiculous because if I could tell you how many times white women have been like, how long does it take? And I'm like, oh, six hours. They're like, (gasps) and I'm like, sweetheart, you've been at a salon for six hours before because you had a color and a cut and because your hairstylist had two other customers. So she fit three of you in within a six hour period. Like, don't be so traumatized and shocked. I could never. I'm like, you could never, really? Like, you don't sit in a car for six hours for a road trip. You could never. You've never been to school and sat in class for eight hours a day. Like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's just, like, little things like that where I'm just, like, I know you could never. Wow, so I'm a stronger woman than you when you're in your 50s because you could never sit on your ass. Like, shut up. It just, no, I don't get <laughs> like it. Like, you're not doing anything. You're sitting there getting your hair done. You know what I do? I like, read what books. What do you mean? I read books and I'm on my phone. I'm listening to music or we're watching a movie together. Like, it's really yeah. not. So, yeah, and I just think, and I know, like I said, the definition it's like unintentional and subtle things, but I just think everyone needs to be more careful with the words we say. Like, I know I'm pretty vocal on social media about calling out white people and Republicans and Blue Lives Matter people. Um, And I don't use microaggressions though to come at people. I literally just use facts of like, your information's wrong. I don't know where you're getting it from. Your logic is not sound. Like, I'm not saying like, I don't even know what microaggressions are against white people. Are, Are there microaggressions against 
no. whites or Europeans, like, I don't know, you burn in the sun. That's just fact. It's not a microaggression. <laughs> like, but like, my, but it says even in the definition, like microaggressions are done against marginalized people. Yes. So if you're not a marginalized person, which white people are not, then no, you can't. Ha- but it's like, you can't be racist against microaggression right. is, is racism. It's just like a more subtle form of racism that people get away with in certain scenarios. Right. And rather be an action. It's a word or phrase. Yeah. So, yeah. So just be mindful. I mean, that's really all I wanted to touch base on was like what I've heard growing up, what I still hear. Like if I could tell you how many men love to get drunk at the bar. Oh my God. If I could tell you how many white men. And I'm like, you're pretty for a black woman. Yes, and they love to expose the fetish, you know, who I've always wanted to get with a black girl. I'm like, yeah, because you've never had a white girl twerk on your dick before. Excuse my, like, frankness, but it's like, that's literally what you're saying. Yeah. Or you're saying that the white women that you date don't have curves, so you have nothing to hold on to. They're just, like, all skinny. Whatever, like, whatever you're trying to put, it's like you're exposing that you wish you could, but you don't because of whatever perception you're going to get from your own intimate community of family and friends. Because if you wish you would, why don't you? Like, I'm not they, dating. They just, they just want the fantasy. They don't actually want to deal with, like, you being a real human being with thoughts and feelings. Right, because I'm, I just, I don't get it. And I mean... I don't, I, I don't get it. And it just, it's disgusting. Cause I really sit there and I'm like, wow, like you're sitting here getting drunk right now, trying to flirt with me, trying to like get your dick wet essentially mm-hmm. over the fact that like a pretty black girl's holding conversation with you. Like you just bought me a shot. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you because I got a shot, but I'm not, it's not going any further than, you know, and it's just like, yeah, weird. And they come off just really weird, you guys. So just, just try not to and be more aware of it. And also call out your friends when they do it to other people, whether it's a waiter whoever, a friend, a, like, acquaintance, someone gets up from the table and they say something, like, they're not okay. And they just really expose how you think and feel about other people, let's be honest. Proving your racism. Like, people don't think they're racist, and then they just say one thing, and, I, like, that's the quickest way to be like, hey, that's you know not. what you said right now? Take that out of your vocabulary. Yeah, and I think, I think that's, like, the key with microaggressions, and, like, the reason why we need to talk about it is because people have a misconception that unless it's a extreme hate crime or like, you know, I burned your house down or shot you or something. Go back oh, to like I'm, I'm not, I'm not racist. Um, questioning people being American, that's a microaggression. Questioning that I belong in this country because of my skin color is, is a racism. Like it's you so did a racism. Okay. Um, There's a lot of ways, especially in like academia and being professional, that people get away with being racist. Um, Hair, we just talked about um, the way that you speak, Mm -hmm. Um, excluding people from your research is a microaggression. Yes. You don't want them to be included because you don't consider them human to be included in data. So like all of these little things that you think um, are not being racist are usually microaggressions. Like the scale of racism throughout your life is like, it's, it's all these little things that lead up to something even bigger. Yeah. And that's why we have the president that we have now. Hello. No, and it's true because he's thriving off of these moments and he's thriving off of the conversations that aren't being had. And he's truly thriving off of 
these people who are just ignorant and uneducated and don't know any better and can get away with it because their community and their friends and their families have allowed them to for generations. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's questioning it because, I mean, at the end of the day, I just read a tweet actually from a black woman that was in a sorority. Um, and it must've been a PhD sorority at some predominantly white school. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I got a text to be a part of like the pledge auction. And my response simply was, I think it's really bad for you to have a black sister on a stage being I... auctioned off for profit. Um, and they canceled the event because I they- I love that girl. She's like an amateur comedian. Is she? Okay, and she makes okay. these, okay, you have to watch this video that she has. Hold on, I follow her on Twitter. I actually just found her like a few weeks ago because she posted this video of her doing an impression of like a white Brooklyn mom. Oh, it's so good. But she has like an ASMR video, Sydney. She literally has catcall ASMR where like she does a scenario of someone catcalling her and she does it in ASMR. I can't wait. I'm I love ASMR right so much and I'm so excited to watch that. So yeah, um, it just all goes back to that, you guys. And we just wanted to touch base on it because it is important. And I feel like I'm starting to see a lot more of it because of the times we're in right now, the divide we have because of the political season. Like people just say things and I don't think they realize what they're saying. I don't think they realize the harm it causes. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends have definitely had their fair share of moments of saying microaggressions and being low-key racist and I kind of give them a pass because they're my friends and I feel like oh they just didn't know any better but I can't give that mercy and grace just because you're my friend and like not get that to everyone else which kind of tied back into like our whole cancel culture and redemption thing yeah because like there are levels to it um that's we'll have a whole other discussion on this but I can't wait to discuss the n-word because I have so many friends who've used it and it never bothered me. But as soon as I left that area of my friends and heard somebody else say it, I was like deeply woundedly offended and I wanted to speak out about it. And I was like, but wait, you just left a scenario where your European friend just said it and it didn't bother you at all because you gave them a free pass. And that's not okay. So like I said, we have to remain accountable and transparent and honest and like admit when we also need to educate ourselves and like <laughs> apply that to our own lives. Cause I've definitely been guilty of microaggressions of generalizations of Mm -hmm. racism i can't even say low-key like of grouping and assuming and being rude so we're here to help you guys not do that and educate ourselves and how we can do better because these next moments are going to get rough and everyone's character is going to be attacked in some form or another every group is going to be attacked from september october until we're done voting um, and even after that, the people, if Trump doesn't win, his followers aren't going to be happy. And we're going to keep hearing things through January until Biden can get sworn in. Um, or it'll be the other way around and black and brown people will be fearing for their lives for the next four years because we will not feel safe. I am making plans to move out of the country for the yeah, next I'm, two years. Amanda Seals is publicly voicing all of my deepest concerns as of lately on Twitter. She's one of my favorite people. She has literally legitimately, like I said, put my fears and publicize them for the internet. And it makes me really sad that her following is not bigger than what it is. She always only seems to have like a few thousands likes of that on her statements and on her ideologies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many more people need to know who she is and get behind her because she just speaks nothing but facts. 
absolutely mm-hmm. adore Amanda Seals. She's Caribbean. She's a cancer. I relate to her so much on every level. Talk about the fact real quick before we wrap up why MTV didn't deem it necessary to market their VMAs. That just happened this weekend with the fact that Kiki Palmer is the first Black female host they've ever had in the history of the VMAs. And I never saw one promotional social media anything. I didn't even know that that she was hosting it. And then I saw her on um, The Daily Show. Okay. Because Trevor Noah, of course, right. um, like had her on and was like, congratulations. And I was like, she was the host? And they said that, I think they've had a, a Black woman as the host before, but never alone. Oh, so that's why they didn't make it like a big deal. Because yeah, yeah, I was like, if we're... I don't think she was the first Black woman ever, but I think she was the first one to do it on her own and to also someone who's also a performer. Yeah, because she did perform one of her songs. Because a lot of the time they just have like comedians or actors or like somebody who can do like emceeing style stuff. And she's like a very multi-talented person. Um, I only, I didn't watch any of it. I only watched obviously Chloe Halley's video. I mean, I watched else Chloe is Halley's and I watched the babies because he always does something political in his and it was like a city burning and like police cars and like, you know, he does his thing. The Jabberwockies were there. I was like, I'm here for it. Um, Interesting. But I heard Tayana Taylor just, like, made a video. Well, she's she, pregnant, isn't she? So, like... some some It was on Twitter, and they were, like, she dressed up as, like, Muhammad Ali and Breonna Taylor and, like, all of these different people. And they were, like... And everyone in the comments was, like, I'm so glad that you told me about this so that I don't have to, like, go and subject myself to watching this like video. did a little too much, probably. Yeah. And then I saw a lot of people upset because Kaylani literally started quarantine music videos for her whole album that just dropped. And she wasn't nominated for the, like, at-home music video category. Yeah. And I love Ariana Grande, but, like, I'm sorry. Her and that Justin Bieber music video of, like, all of their fans just, like, singing and dancing to their song. Like, yeah, I get it. It's heartwarming, sure. But, like, it's mostly a bunch of European white-passing people dancing around their living rooms. I mean... (laughs) Kaylin's not impressed. No, Kaylani's using drones and shit and, like, up in the hills and, like, renting fat-ass houses. Kaylani has has not gotten her... Her flowers and I don't at all. Like I don't understand. She's been around for a minute. She makes. She has a beautiful voice. Also, like Kilani is light skin. If it's hard for her to make it, like I don't even. There's so many other talented people that we probably just don't even know about. And she has the Bay Area behind her. She has the LGBTQ plus community behind her. Like she's bigger than she is, and it's really upsetting. You know what? And I knew it was gonna happen. Because she opened for Demi Lovato in her concert. And I was like, oh, she's going to reach the white folks. Here we go. I knew this was going to be like a really big stepping stone for yeah. her. And then before COVID, she was the opener for Justin Bieber's world tour. And I was like, there you go, baby girl. Get in Ooh. front of all these white folks and let them know who Lonnie is. Like, mm-hmm. let's go. Because I feel like she's a very Bay Area artist. And I just. Yeah, I always like assumed that everybody knew who she was until I like left the Bay Area. And I was like, oh, people don't listen to Kehlani. <laughs> do not know her so we need yeah i'm ready for her so anyway yeah, please I'm give her, her coins because she's, she's amazing son like me and i love her and i think we'd be great friends and if she ever hit on me i'd look at my man and be like i need a night pass because i just she's one of mine she's on my list her and rihanna could get it any time of any day oh a hundred percent i told my man i'd break up with you if you ever like got a shot with her and you didn't include me <laughs> there's a list of women if i'm not included it's over and if you get hit on because that's just selfish 
right? So you get to come home and tell me about your fabulous experience and I just get to hear about it and you live, like, we could have this together. We are, we are a, you know, a pair. Like, let's, anyway. But yeah, this world we live in is crazy, Maya, and I'm just over it. It's 2020. Like, why are we still having basic conversations about things that were, like, big deals in the 90s and, like, affirmative action levels shit? Like, I know. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, it's, everything seems basic for us because, like, this is what we've lived our whole yeah, lives. You're right. Um, so we have, you know, 25, 27 years of like experiencing all of these things that people are just now learning about. Um, and also it's, it's nice to be able to discuss it with you because me and you both have always been like the only black or brown person in our circles. Like and I've, and I don't, I'm not usually friends with like white Americans, yeah. but like most of the people that I've been friends with have been like white Asians or like white Hispanics, like, yeah, you know, no, girl, I also forgot to tell you really quickly that that Emmanuel Ocho guy did another video, two parts, because it was with the NFL's commissioner, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. So if you want to watch that, should, because let me tell you my experience with the video. I pushed play. He came on. They gave their spiel. And then Emmanuel goes, so I did some research and he pulls up a picture and it's a white man standing with Martin Luther King Jr. And Roger's like, oh, yeah, this is my dad. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Your dad literally marched with fucking MLK. And yet you have the audacity to have the role you did and denounced Colin Kaepernick. And, like, we're a huge part of the blackballing. I turned off the video because I was like, nothing you have to say will make up for the fact that there were legitimately direct relatives in your family that were... Uh, supposedly on the right side of history in regards to equality and basic human rights for black and brown people. I you see why we can't have white allies? Do you see? And then you know what he says? We should have listened to Colin Kaepernick. And I'm really regretful that we didn't and that what transpired over the last four years transpired. See, and that's the thing, like, good. I'm glad that you acknowledge that, but I want to see action behind it because you're literally in charge of the entire NFL. Like, do something about it. It's driving me crazy. Like, I don't want to see this video of you talking to this guy. I want you to do something in the NFL, which is a right. huge multi-billion dollar organization and I feel that, like, like represents was- so much in this country. Like, you yeah. could do so much. And I feel like it was such a, 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 like, Hail Mary saving grace of, like, what can I do to our black and brown fans to, like, have them tune in to this football season, mm. you know, fans. Because it's a perfect timing, three weeks before the season starts. Um, hard Knocks this year, I don't know if you know about Hard Knocks, but they follow a football team during training camp before the start of every season. Oh. And this year they're doubling up because the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers are sharing that stadium in Inglewood. But the great thing about it is that the Chargers head coach is black, mm. um, and they have a black quarterback which are both really big anomalies. In which they wouldn't have done if they were in San Diego. <laughs> Same. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's been interesting because when Jacob Blake happened, they literally show the LA Rams white coach watching the video because his head of communications is a black man. Mm. And he's like, I need you to sit down and see this because you're going to be hearing the players talk about it and we need to address it as a team within our organization. And you can just see the disgust on his face. Like, but he was walking away. I don't understand. Like, why is a shirt being held on to? Like, he could not comprehend what he saw. And then, you know, the black coach admitting, like, 
he was like, I'm gonna keep it lit with you guys. Us canceling practice is not going to change anything that we deal with in America as black people. He's like, if you guys want to cancel it because your minds aren't here and you think you could potentially be like injured because you're just distracted, then yeah, we need to cancel. But he's like, you can't cancel it in the name of like racial justice and like the step towards fixing something. And I appreciated that because the NBA canceled games because they were like, advertisers are going to lose out on money because there's nothing to be shown. Our owners are going to lose out on money because there's nothing to be shown. This will actually greatly affect that white demographic of owners for these teams who are being broadcasted on TV. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what the NFL does to tie into that because I'm a Cowboys fan. Everybody knows Sherry Jones is super problematic, super Mm -hmm. old school, grew up in Arkansas. Like he just, he's openly admitted his Republican views. He's a huge contributor of Donald Trump. Um, my family had our own family discussion last year about would we continue to support the team, how we felt about it. Mm. And black players are now coming forward saying we're going to kneel because we're black. And if Jerry doesn't like it, Jerry doesn't like it. So I'm very interested to see how my own team responds to that in regards to players over owners. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, if you're interested and you want to watch what he has to say, I couldn't do it. Once I saw that picture, I got so upset that I was like, there's nothing you could say to me as a football fan, as a black football fan who's already felt super wrong to continue to support something that I've known since birth. Like, Mm -hmm. shut the hell up, dude. Yeah, and I gave up on the NFL a few years ago. And that was one of the things that we bonded over because I used to be a huge Patriots fan. Huge Patriots fan. So, yeah, I mean, I understand how you feel with Jerry Jones because, like, Robert Kraft, hello. Just as bad. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, um, I just – I couldn't support – I don't watch any professional sports anymore. Yeah. Because I I just – like, well, first of all, I don't have the time to sit and, like, watch three hours of football anymore. Yeah. Um, Because Sunday is, like, my decompressing day. Yeah. But I also just, like, feel some type of way, especially about the NFL, in regards to, like, the draft and how that all works and, like, the people that own it. Because, like, at least with basketball, there's there's a few owners that are not white. Um, I feel like basketball is a little bit better about some of those things. Um, yeah. Not entirely, but yeah. it's a little bit better. And the NFL has a really long way to go. Um, so I, I kind of just stopped, like, supporting professional sports altogether. And I'm trying to support, you know, the women's leagues now. Because yeah. those are the people I actually want to support. Yes. And that's all I have on on professional athletes. Um, yeah, I probably won't watch that video because I really don't like yeah. that guy. And I'm very and disappointed. This- Isn't he Caribbean? Uh, yeah, he's from – no, no, no. He's African. He's Nigerian. Oh, he's Nigerian. Yeah. Like, his, his parents came, if I'm not mistaken, his parents either came from Africa or their parents did. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in Texas his whole life. So he was the dark African black boy yeah. in, like, you know, the true Southern white environment. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I know he has his own experiences, but also, I don't know. Anyway. Interesting. I know this kind of ventured off of our microphone. I know. <laughs> may or may not keep it. It's fine. But yeah, that's it. Thanks, you guys, for listening to our little, you know. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, please support us in any way that you can. And thanks for tuning in every week. We appreciate y'all.